So um, as I begin this morning, you know, um, who and whom do we trust? You know, who do you, who do you trust in? And I was just thinking of some different things in the world that the world puts their trust in. And um, I'm not meaning to step on any toes here, but one of them is the lottery. And, um, you know, the lottery just happened. I think it was last week it was. It was over, a, I think it was over a, a, a billion dollars. And I'm here to tell you, um, I know somebody won, but basically nobody won. Everybody lost that. And, and people, unfortunately, and it's a vain hope, it's a, it's, a, it's a lost hope, that they're putting their hope and trust in something that I really believe that most people think they're going to win. You're not. You, you, you will not win. And I, I told the people I used to work with when I worked at the place across the lake in the electrical place, I said, listen, because we get into the debate about that, I said, look, I, I win every time I, I won the lottery. And I was telling them that, and I explained to them, I said, what do you mean? I said, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't purchase any tickets, none. If you bought one, that's a dollar. If you bought whatever they are, I said, so if I, it, I won because I didn't pay any money. It didn't cost me anything. People put their hope in money. They put their hope in careers and jobs and positions and possessions. There's so many things people put their hope in. But everything that the world trusts in really has these things in common. They, first of all, they're temporary. Even if you did win, it's not going to last. It, it, I don't care how much money. It could be a trillion dollars. It, it, it's not going to last. The next thing is they're not guaranteed. In other words, you, you could have the best job in the world, the most property, the best 401k, a nice, a nice uh, investment, whatever. None of the things that the world offers to us are guaranteed. And then the, the, the next thing is they will not provide lasting peace and joy. They will only leave us feeling empty. That they never satisfy. And Joshua was, um, where's Josh? Josh. Was, was, Elon, was it Elon Musk with the house? 900 square foot house? Yeah, Elon Musk, he lives in a 900 square foot house. Now, he's the Tesla guy, huh? The, the Tesla guy. He's living in not, no, what he, he said he had other properties that he had. What did he, did you read about it? You said you, he sold them or? Yeah, he sold the other properties. Now, I don't know if he said it this way, but it's almost like he recognized that all these other mansions and properties and things, they didn't, they're not providing him any, any joy. There's no lasting peace. So Elon Musk is living in a 900-square-foot house. Now, I'm sure he's probably got other houses, I would imagine, but that's where he's living at, living at right now. But we as believers, we can never forget where our help comes from. We cannot forget. The world doesn't know. We know where our help comes from. The Bible says in Psalms 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. God, God is the one that we trust in. The Lord is the one we trust in. And the Bible says that God has not changed. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
The same God that performed the miracles and all the things in the Bible is the same God working and moving in our lives today. So if God is the God that provides for all of our needs, whom shall we fear? What do we have to be afraid of if, if, if this is our God? David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. That's pretty simple, but it's powerful. The Lord, David understood that the Lord was his shepherd, that the Lord was, was, was on David's side. Then David recognized that I, I have everything I need. And I'm continuing this series. I'm probably going to wrap it up in a couple of weeks, but um, the series is The Lord is My Shepherd. And, um, you know, the world really tells us to put your trust in anyone and anything but God. To go tr trust in anything, but don't, whatever you do, don't put your trust, don't put your trust in the Lord. See, but trusting, tr trusting in, the, uh, in the world and the world's ways leads to fear. Trusting in Jesus removes all fear. The Bible says that Jesus is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd will never lead us in the wrong direction. That, that, that's what God's promises to us in his word. Psalm 20, 24, listen to this verse. It says, the Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? I love that. In other words, we make plans, and we should. We should be prudent with our lives and make, make, make our plans, and we make our plans. But basically what that scripture is telling us in Proverbs is that irregardless of the plans that you and I make, God is directing our steps. So what does God want us to do? He wants us just to trust him. Even when it doesn't make sense, it, it doesn't look right, it doesn't feel right, it, it doesn't, I don't understand what God is doing the Bible says that why, why try to figure it out as if we're trying to question what God is doing instead of just stepping back and saying, you know what? As David said, God, the Lord, God, you're my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord, the Lord is our shepherd. So um, are we trusting in the good shepherd? I want to put my trust. I mean, I know even as Christians, we can say we trust, but are we really at a place where we're trusting, like every moment of every day of every decision, our faith and our hope is being put in Jesus Christ. So just to recap the series here, and the, um, the, the first uh, message I did was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, and this is a, a series on the compound names of Jehovah, and I said this when I began, be, began the series, if you study the Old Testament, there's several places in the Bible where where Jehovah, the, the name Jehovah was mentioned or given as a, as a place of remembrance for something that God had done or a word that God had spoken to the nation of Israel as a remembrance of who God was. And it's a, it, what it does, it gives us a deeper insight or meaning into understanding everything about, about God. So Jehovah is the, is the Hebrew word that we translate to Lord, or Yahweh uh, is, is, is also the Hebrew word, but we, we translate that uh, Jehovah to Lord. So um, Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. Um, he, he's our provider. And that's taken from the, the story in the Old Testament in, uh, in Abraham. If you remember the story of Abraham, uh, God had blessed him with his son Isaac. And then God had asked him to go and take his son Isaac and sacrifice him to the Lord. Uh, the Bible says that uh, Abraham was there on the mountain ready to sacrifice his son Isaac. And the Bible says just as Abraham was, was, was about to lower the knife, Abraham looked. And, he, and there, the Bible says, caught in the thicket was a ram. And immediately Abraham recognized that God had provided a substitute for Abraham to sacrifice in place of his son Isaac. 
Who was that substitute for us? That's Jesus Christ. He's, he's, he's the lamb. He's, he's the, the, the ultimate lamb, the lamb of God, John the Baptist said, that takes away the sins of the world. And then we looked at the, the uh, story uh, in the Old Testament where God was called Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner, which the Lord is our, the Lord is our protector. And that, that is, that is uh, also taken from the Old Testament when Moses and the Israelites were confronted in the wilderness uh, with, with the Amalekites. They, they were, the Amalekites came to attack the nation of Israel. The Bible says that Moses told Joshua to go down and fight in the field. And Moses got up and he had the staff of God in his hand, which the staff represented the presence of God and who God was. And the Bible says when, when Moses would raise the staff up, the, the, uh, Joshua and the Israelites were winning. But as soon as he would lower, lower the staff, the Bible says that the Amalekites were gaining the upper hand. So Aaron and Har recognized that Moses needed to keep his hands lifted up because if, if his hands remained raised, then Israel was going to be victorious. So they got a stone, sat Moses down, each of them grabbed his arm, his arm remained raised, and the Bible says that Israel defeated the Amalekites. Um, the banner that he, he was raising, a banner, or he was recognizing that, that the Lord was his banner, that, that, that God was his banner. Well, what's the banner we raise? We raise the banner of Jesus. We, we sang that song this morning, raise the banner high. We, we lift up the name of Jesus in this house. We're not glorifying a man or a religion or a denomination. We raise the banner of Jesus in our lives, and Jesus is our protector, and he's our, he's our victory. And then last week we shared Jehovah Shammah, the Lord, the Lord is there, which is the Lord's presence. He's a, the Bible says the Lord is an ever-present help in time of need, and that, that is taken from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel had, had prophesied over the nation of Israel. They, had, they, were, they were taken captive in, into the land of Babylon, and God had given Ezekiel a vision that, they, that God was going to restore the nation of Israel. The temple would be rebuilt, and they, and they would come back to their homeland. And, but really, the vision that God had given Ezekiel was really the New Jerusalem mentioned in the book of Revelation, which is the place that the church is going to go, which is the final place. And the, the Bible says, the Lord says that there will be no need, there will be no need for, for the sun because the Bible says the Lord will be the light. He will be Jehovah Shammah. He will be there. <laughs> And I'm here to tell you, the Lord is there in your life today. Amen. He's with you. The Lord, the Lord is right next to you. The, if, if you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord, the Bible says that God is not only with us, but the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, dwells in us. So um, Jesus, Jesus is all, all these things. So this message, I'm really, I get excited about all of these. This is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun studying these things, but I like making the connection of of what the Bible says these meanings are and how Jesus fits that. In other words, how he, he, he fits what those are. And today's message is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. The Lord who heals you. And um, just hearing that just sounds so uplifting and encouraging that God is the God, that God is the God who heals us. But, you know, when, when we look at the world we live in today, the world needs a healer. We need a healer in our world today in more ways, I think, than we realize. And just a quick glance at some statistics paints a pretty grim picture of our society. This is in 2020, and this is just the United States. Murder in the United States in 2020 was 21,570. 21,000 people, over 21,000 people were murdered. Suicide in 2018, and this was, this was alarming to me. 
In 2018, there were 48,344 suicides in just one year. Depression. 25 million Americans suffer from depression each year. Over 50% of all people who die by suicide suffer from major depression. General anxiety affects 6.8 million adults, or 3% of the U.S. population. I'm probably thinking that number's a little bit higher than that. So that's just a quick glance. That's not really diving in deep into some of the specifics and some of the numbers. That's just like a snapshot of, of where we're at. And I'm here to tell you, we need a healer. We, we, we need a healer. Our land, our land needs a healer. But see, the world is searching for healing in the wrong places. They're looking in all the wrong places for healing. And people think that they can just go get a 12-step a, a, a course or just go get a self-help book from the, from the uh, library and read the book and just put those things into practice and bam, their life's going to be fine and they're going to be healed. It doesn't work that way. And, and unfortunately, people turn a lot of times to addictions and drugs and all those things thinking that it's going to be some sort of escape or some way to avoid or just, just miss out on all the things that's happening in their world. And all they do is find that those things put them deeper and deeper into depression. So the world's looking in all, all the wrong places. The Lord is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's our victory. He's Jehovah Shama. He's our ever-present help. And he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Jesus is the healer. The Lord is our, the Lord is our healer. And Jehovah Rapha is first revealed to us in the book, in the book of Exodus. The, the, the Bible says in Exodus, the nation of Israel had just left. They, they had just left Egyptian bondage and they were wandering in the desert. And they didn't have any water to drink. And here they are. They're doubting that God can provide for them after everything that the Lord had done, done for them. They, they, were, they were doubting that God could, provi could provide water for them. And they came to a place called Mara and they found that the water was bitter. It was bitter when they went to drink it. So listen to what they said in Exodus 15. It says, then the people complained and turned against Moses. Now, how many times have we heard that in the Old Testament? Poor Moses, just trusting God, standing, standing in there for God. And it says they complained and murmured against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. That's a good place to turn. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Or if that was written in Hebrew, it would have said, for I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, the Lord who heals you. So the Lord used the bitter water to show the Israelites that he is the Lord. He is the Lord who heals. God was declaring that he himself was the healer, that God was the one that was going to be the healer for the nation, for the nation of Israel. But if you read the Bible, the Bible looked forward to a greater healer. In other words, a, one that was going to come, that was going to be the ultimate healing for all of, not just for the nation of Israel, but for all of mankind. And Isaiah prophesied this in Isaiah 61. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted 
and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. Isaiah was prophesying of Jesus and the first thing I want us to see here is Jesus is the great physician. Jesus is the great, the great physician. See, there's a healer in the house. His name is Jesus. We don't have to look very far. You don't have to go to a lot of different places. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus will heal you. That Jesus, Jesus, is, Jesus is the healer. We don't, have to, we don't have to wait for the healer to come. The Bible says that Jesus is, is, is our healer. So, if Ruby, if you could put that next slide back up on the, on the screen there. So, here we see that Jesus is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's our victory or he's our protector. He's Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there or he's our ever-present help in time of need. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's our physician. See, see, Jesus is the great shepherd. Everything that we have need of is found in Jesus Christ. He, he is the complete picture for the church. See, Jesus said it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, Jesus said that because the Pharisees were complaining that Jesus was hanging around sinners because they thought that they were okay. But Jesus was really speaking that verse to them. And what he was saying is, I didn't come for the ones that think they're healthy, that, that think that they're okay. I came for the ones that know they're sick. That's everybody on the world. That's everybody that's ever been born into the world. They need a heal. They need the healer. They need Jesus Christ. Jesus is the great, the great physician. He is the great doctor. So Jesus, when he read, when, when that Isaiah passage that Isaiah read, that where, where Isaiah said that, that Jesus was, um, was coming um, to anoint and to bring good news to the poor, Jesus read that in the book of Luke. They said the scroll of Isaiah was handed to Jesus in, this, in the synagogue. The Bible says that Jesus read that passage. I just read from you in Isaiah. The Bible says Jesus closed, he closed the scroll. He, he, he closed the scroll. He looked at the people and said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's unbelievable. The healer was, in, the healer was, on, the, was, in, was on the earth. Je, Jesus had come. And, and I don't know about you, that, that's another fascinating scripture. That here, the, the, the very prophecy that Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years prior to Christ's coming, Jesus is saying, as I am speaking this, the prophecy is fulfilled. That's awesome. The healer, the healer is in the house. See, everywhere Jesus went, the Bible says he performed miracles. Everywhere he went. You read, read the Gospels, all four of the Gospels, that, that's all they talk about is Jesus. He's, he's healing. He's healing. He's healing. Look, look at Matthew chapter 4. It says, Jesus traveled throughout the regions of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever the sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Yeah. Jesus is the healer. Right. The power of Jesus to heal is still present today. Right. The presence of God came onto the earth. No demon, no darkness, no disease can come against the power of Jesus Christ. Everywhere Jesus went. And Jesus was not 
he was not surprised by that. Nor was he wasn't, the disciples were surprised, the people were surprised. You, the, uh, we've never seen the, the, blind, the, uh, the blind are opened up, the, the paralytics are getting up, they're walking, the dead are being raised. And Jesus was not amazed by this. Why? He knew the power of God. The power of God was on the earth. The healing power was there. And it didn't matter what it was that Jesus was confronted with. Jesus had the power to heal them all. I'm here to tell you the same power remains today. It's active today for us. He healed every kind of sickness. See, a lot of us, when we think of Jesus as our healer, what do we associate that with? Physical healing. And that's part of it, but I'm, I'm, I can argue that I believe really the other healings that we need is really greater than the physical. That if you get the other problems, a lot of times, and my wife can tell you as a nurse, those affect the physical. Anxiety, that affects the physical. Ask any doctor. So, see, Jesus, he's not just an MD. He's your psychologist and your psychiatrist. When you call him as a doctor, you only got to make one appointment. All you need is one appointment, and he covers every one of them. He's going to cover it all. See, we must reach out to him for our healing. See, that's what I'm saying. We, see, we go to all kinds of different things, different sources, different places, all these different things, and none of them are ever going to satisfy. Only Jesus is going to heal us. This, this, this happened. Y'all know the story in the, in, the, in the New Testament, the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says that she had suffered bleeding internally for 12 years. 12 years. And the Bible said that she had spent all of her money on doctors. Not wrong. Jesus never spoke against doctors. But she never met the doctor. See? And what did the Bible say? Jesus was in there, and the crowd, there's just tons of hundreds and hundreds of people just pressing up against Jesus. And what did she say? If I could just touch him. If I could just touch him. She had faith to believe that Jesus could heal her. So what did she do? The Bible says she found a way just to touch. It just says she touched the hem of his robe. But the Bible says that Jesus knew that someone, because he felt the healing power leave him. And he asked, he asked, he said, he asked the disciples, who touched me? And the disciples looked at him and said, what are you talking about who touched you? Hundreds of people are pressing up against you. They're bumping you. They're touching you. What do you mean who touched you? He said, no, somebody Somebody deliberately touched me. She was healed. Immediately, the Bible says, immediately she was healed. See, we're going to the wrong doctors. we got to go to Dr. Jesus. He's the great physician, the Bible says. Doctors are not wrong, but I'm telling you, no one and nothing will heal like Jesus can. Jesus is the physician. He is, he is the healer. He is, he is the great physician the great physician. See, if the world would just reach out and just believe and trust and touch Jesus, they would be healed. They would be free. But everybody and everyone is telling them, do everything else, everything. But don't you dare believe in Jesus. The only thing that has the power to change them, the world's telling them, avoid that. We have to be the church that shares the message of the power of the healing of Jesus Christ Amen. that's still available to the world today. Doesn't matter how dark it gets. It was dark in Jesus' time. And the Bible says everywhere Jesus went, everywhere, people were being healed, delivered, set free.
So how do we receive this healing? Well, Colossians chapter 2, it says, You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The next thing I want us to see here is the cross broke every chain. The cross broke every chain. See, Paul, Paul said in Colossians there, he's explaining to us, what is the root, what is the root of every disease? What's the root? It's sin. That, that's your biggest disease. You know, really, people say, well, I, I want to be healed. Well, if you're a Christian, you've been healed. You've been healed of the greatest disease you'll ever, you'll ever, you'll ever get in contact with. It's called sin. And just what Paul said here, it says, you were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. What's the sinful nature? That's the nature of Adam. Well, the Bible says we are all born with the sin nature because Adam, because, because Adam sinned, all born of Adam have sinned. That's why the Bible says what? You must be born again. Born again, not of the flesh, but born again of the spirit. The second Adam, his name is Jesus. See, that, 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 that's how we get, that's, so that, that, that's on the cross. But, but see, sin is the root Sin is the root of all evil, of, of, of all sin. So sin, when sin came, sin opened the door. Before sin came, Adam and Eve, they knew the garden. They had the peace. They had the joy. They had the very presence of God. But as soon as they chose to disobey, they opened up the door and sin came in. Death, murder, diseases, all of those different things came in, came in because of sin. And you can put that screen up, that next slide. Oh, thank you. Depression. Suicide, rejection, loneliness, fear, murder, hatred, jealousy, anxiety, mental illness, addiction, cancer, every disease, all of those things are a direct result of the sin nature. They, they, they are tied to the sin. All these, the Bible said, they stood opposed to us. They were against us. They held us captive. That's why Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free, because we were held captive by, by, by our sin. See, but on the cross, what God did is God took all of those, all of those sins, and guess what he did? He transferred them to Jesus. All the sins of the whole world, the Bible says, he took the sins, all the sins was transferred to Jesus. So now all the sins of the world, the, the payment and the penalty and the consequence of sin, which is death, the Bible says, was placed on the cross. So now what do we do? When I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I received the forgiveness that Jesus Christ gave me and provided for me on the cross. Not by works, the Bible says, but by the cross of Jesus Christ. Now in Christ, I'm free. I'm delivered. I'm free from all of these things. These things no longer have a, they, have, they no longer have power over me. They no longer have, have a hold on me. I am free by the blood of Jesus, by the power, by the power of the cross. See, every consequence of sin must bow to the power of the cross. I'm going to say it again. Every consequence of sin, every, every result of sin must bow to the power of that cross. Every one of them. The devil will try to convince Christians that there's some things that God is just not going to heal you of. Well, I'm here to stand before you and tell you that God can and God will heal you. If you won't say it, I'll say it. That God will heal you. Not just physically, anxiety, depression, mental illness. It doesn't matter what it is. The, the power of the, of, of the healing power of Jesus Christ is in the house now. Amen. 
It's here today. The cross broke every chain. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. What are we saying? Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. We need to be thankful what God has done for us. See, the Hebrew translation for the word Rapha, it also means to restore. It's not just heal. And this is a lot of times people forget this too about God. God doesn't just patch us up and stick a Band-Aid on us and say, you're a little better now, go do your thing. God restores us back to where we were, like Adam and Eve, where we were. Like, like we, we are restored. We are made whole, the Bible says. What is it about if any man be in Christ? He's what? The, the old is gone, behold, all things are made new. All the old is gone, all things, all things are made new, the, the Bible says, in Jesus Christ. See, the prodigal son, what did he say when he went back home? I'll just be a slave. I'm satisfied with that. I made a mistake. It was my fault. I wanted the money. I took the inheritance. I spent it on wild living. I'm, I'm willing to go back, humble myself before my father, and I tell my father the best I can hope for is just to be, a, to be a slave. But what did God do? The Bible says, he said, go kill the fattened calf. Go get my robe. Go get my ring. Go get my shoes. My son, my son is returned. He was restored back to where he was before he left the father's house. That's a picture of you and I. We're restored, church. You are restored. So, yes, God, God can heal, but God can heal you of everything. Don't, 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 accept, don't accept that God can. God can. And my wife and I, we, we deal with this a lot. People deal with a lot of things, mental issues, and, 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 and we never, ever speak against doctors and prescriptions and all those things. But we always try to counsel people like this. We're not going to tell you not to take whatever it is the doctors prescribe, but we're all going to tell you to believe that you don't need that, Amen. that you get to a place where you don't need that. I'm never going to tell you not to. That's not my place. But I know the power of Jesus. I know what Jesus can do. The, remember the, the demon act, the, the demoniac that was, that was demon-possessed, and Jesus said what, he said, what is your name? He said, what is that? I'm legion. Why? He said, because, because I am many. And what, 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 did, what did the Bible say? The Bible says that Jesus took authority over those demons. He cast the demons out. Where did he put them? The Bible says he put them in a herd of pigs. The, the pigs went off the cliff, the Bible says. But we miss this part sometimes. The Bible says that the maniac was sitting at Jesus' feet, listen to this, dressed and in his right mind. He was restored. See, we think, well, I'll go heal somebody. I'll go set them free of, of demons, and they'll just have to work this thing out and all that kind of stuff. The Bible says he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully dressed and in his right mind. That's restoration. He, he was completely restored. So I'm speaking this to this congregation, to you personally this morning, that God wants to, he doesn't just want to heal you, God wants to restore you. Someone needs to receive that this morning. I don't know who that is. You, you've accepted that God has healed you, but you have not come to the place where God has restored you. There's a difference. I really believe there is a difference. Well, you feel like you're now really a daughter or a son, that you've been, God is just, you're cleansed, you're clean, you're whole, you're, you're free, you're accepted, God just loves you. Why? Not because of us. What did Paul say? Don't boast, there's no boasting. It's because of the cross. 
God restores us. I love that. He doesn't just patch us up. See, that's what these, a lot of these programs, these, these rehabilitation programs, they're just trying to put a little, a little Band-Aid on it. They're just going to patch you up for a couple of years and we hope you do all right and all that kind of stuff. No. I want to be restored. Amen. His name is Jesus. Amen. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals or the Lord who restores you. We need to receive that in Jesus' name. Hebrews 12, 24 says, You have come to Jesus, the one who meditates, who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. The next thing I want us to see is the cross is still speaking today. The cross is still speaking today. We sang that song, uh, Ray and them sang, sang this song this morning. The, you know what the blood of you know what the Bible is talking about here in Hebrews was, was the blood of Abel. His brother Cain killed him. Remember that Cain killed his brother Abel. He was he, he was jealous that God didn't accept his offering. He killed his brother Abel. The Bible says that the blood that was spilled that Abel spilled what was that blood crying out? It was crying out vengeance. But what does Hebrews say the blood of Jesus does? It cries out forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful? Man, aren't you thankful the blood forgives the, the healing power of Jesus? And that cross, see the cross, the cross is still, the cross is still speaking forgiveness today. And see, we need to understand this the same power that was displayed when Jesus was crucified, that same power is still today. In other words, it wasn't like Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago, and then over the course of time, as we got to 2022, the power was diminished. It's the same. It's as if the blood was shed today. It has the same power to set us free and to heal us. Aren't you thankful? See, that's why we sing the songs. That's why I raise my hands. I'm thankful. I'm not a, you know, I'm a charismatic freak. I'm just, I'm thankful. I'm raising my hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood. You know, I thought about this when we were worshiping. You know, we're a little, we, we get excited in here, but really, we kind of tame. Well, people get more excited over football games, okay? And I'm guilty that I'm, I'm pointing the finger at me. I'm the same way. But what is stopping us from getting excited about what Jesus has done for us? Why? Well, what is it? it, it it's a spirit. It, it's got it's to be a, it's a spirit. It's all spiritual. It's the devil trying to prevent the church from exercising the freedom and victory we have in Christ. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We didn't do, the Bible says it's by grace. We don't deserve this. But he loved us. God, God loved us so much. See, the blood is still healing. It's still cleansing. It's still removing. It's still forgiving. It's still restoring. And it's still reconciling. There's power in the blood. The same power today it was shed is the power. It's continual. You know, the power... It, the power sustains. It sustains. It doesn't diminish. It sustains. It's the same. Today, that power is available to us. See, Jesus, when you think about it, and all these things with Jehovah, God never says, I might be these things. I might be your provider. I can be your provider. What does it say? I am, I, I am your provider. I am your banner. I am the Lord who heals. So really, if you think about it, when we come to Jesus, we are healed. Or, but what happens, I think a lot of Christians, we don't walk in the healing God has given us. 
We don't, we don't walk in the liberty and healing God has made available to us. But really, the cross has done all the work. We've accepted the cross by faith, the Bible says. So really, I'm healed. So, and my wife and I, I thought about this. We try to walk, we try to live our lives in the healing of Jesus, if you know what I'm saying. I don't try to live my life as a victim. And I could if I chose to. There's things in my life that maybe happened to me and I could say, you know, man, it wasn't fair, it wasn't right, whatever. But I, I choose to, 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 by faith, accept what Jesus has done for me, and I walk in the healing that Jesus has given me. That'll free somebody in here, I think, this morning. I really believe that. That if you just grasp that concept, that Jesus is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Not the Lord who can heal you or will heal you. Bite. He is. He is. So walk in that. Exercise, exercise that healing that God, that God has given you. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. See, the cross is our victory over every infirmity. Every infirmity. And again, I want us to take our mind really more away from the physical healing and more on the, on the emotional and the mental. Because I believe those are really, and all those things I read with those statistics, none of those are really a cause of, none of it said cancer or high blood pressure or, or uh, di diabetes or whatever. It was depression. It was mental. Jesus is the healer of every, of every infirmity. So, yes, the cross was a bloody scene. There was a lot of blood that was spilled, but the Bible says that it pleased God. It pleased God to offer his son as a sacrifice. Why? Because he knew if Jesus was willing to be obedient to go to the cross, guess what that would do for us? It would heal us and restore us and make us whole. Thank you, Jesus. You went to the cross. <laughs> didn't have to go. He didn't, he didn't have to go. But the Bible says that he went.